Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. We're so glad you've decided to join us today. We hope that today's message helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that the Lord has created you to do. So at the beginning of this year, Pastor Brad and Josie came up and they said, hey, as a church, we have not just, not just Uncommon, but globally, we have given background related to you know, what, spiritual, what, what our spiritual authority looks like and kind of how we operate within the kingdom of God and what that looks like. So we're gonna be committed this year to advance in seven different areas. As a church, Uncommon Church is gonna say, hey, we wanna move forward. We wanna take back ground related to seven different areas. The first of those is a supernatural lifestyle. That's the one we're gonna talk about this morning. Um, and so we'll, we'll jump more into what that means in a second, but let me tell you about the other six real quick. The second one is evangelism. We'll advance by being intentional as a church to share the truth of who Jesus is to the people around us. The third one is discipleship. Jesus said to go and make disciples, so we'll be intentional about going and making disciples, but we'll also be in a spot where we're willing to be discipled ourselves. And so we'll walk from that posture. And then number, number four is the next generation. Look, I'm a dad of six kids. So when you tell me that there's no such thing as grandkids in the kingdom of God and God's family, yeah, that's good. We want to advance in that area. The next one is our finances. We will advance in our finances. We don't want to be entrapped by debt. We don't want to be trapped by a poverty mentality. Pastor Brad uh, did a couple of really good messages on that. He actually gave a couple of really good resources, some books. I think we actually have some out in the lobby as well. So I'd encourage you to take a look at those if that's something that you're struggling with. The sixth one is world missions. We will advance in our pursuit of world missions. A couple months ago, we sent a team over to Romania to help with some of the Ukrainian refugees. Uh, and I know that, that Brad and Josie just continue to look and, and see how can we as a church really step outside of the US and advance the, the, the gospel message. And the seventh way is influence. We will advance in our influence in our communities, in our, in our schools, in our local governments, just in the world around us. So as I said this morning, we're gonna talk about that first one, which is supernatural lifestyle. But before we start talking about kind of that really fun word, that supernatural word, let's first talk about what lifestyle means. And so let me tell you a little story. For many, many years, I used to do a lot of bike riding, like a lot of bike riding. You know the kind where you have a really skinny seat and then you clip your feet in the pedals and then you, you pedal, not like turn a motor on or anything like that, but you actually pedal. And I would do a lot of bike riding. I'd do 50, 7,500, 125 miles a day, okay? So, you know, about five years ago, I kind of started to stop doing it as much. I got older, my kids started having their activity, so I didn't have as much time. You know, just kind of life happens. I got bigger. Um, and so it's just harder to ride as quick and as fast and do it as much. But last year, me and a couple of buddies of mine, we decided, hey, let's, let's do the hotter in hell this year. And so, uh, and I'd done it before, right? I'd done it before. Last time I did it, I think I was probably like 32, right? I'm well over 32 at this point. And so, uh, so we decided, hey, let's do the hotter in hell this year. And so, so if you don't know what that is, it's a 100-mile bike ride out in Wichita Falls, which is on the other side of Fort Worth, and it's a 100-mile bike ride, again, right at the end of summer. So it is very, very hot, hence the name of the bike ride. Something like 10,000 riders do this every year, so it's not like some small thing. And so we make this goal, and there's the key word, we make this goal of completing the ride. We also made some goals of finishing it in a certain amount of time, but I don't want to tell you about that part of it. Um, so we make the goal of finishing this bike ride. So we go out and we practice and, and we kind of get to a spot where we're able to do the 100-mile the bike ride. 
And so we do the bike ride. I finish the bike ride, which I'm very proud of. I'm not proud of my time, but I'm very proud of having finished it. And so the next day, because, because that was my goal, that wasn't like, hey, I want to live this way or I want to develop a healthy lifestyle or something like that. Because I didn't do any of that. It was a goal to finish the bike ride. So what do you think I did the day after the bike ride? Besides take a hot bath. Nothing. Right? The day after the bike ride's over, I didn't do anything um, because I didn't have a lifestyle. What about the day after that? Nothing. In, in fact, it was three and a half months before I got back on my bike again. Three and a half months. And that's because the day after a goal lapses, the day after we get close to completing a goal, the day after we kind of move towards having done something that we had set out to do, we have no purpose. The goal is over. Right? There's no point in continuing that. I thought about asking for a show of hands, but I don't want to do that to you all this morning. How many of us have set goals related to weight loss or eating healthier or becoming a better student or whatever it is, do, doing better at our job? And we do that for a period of time. But then when, we, when we've made some progress, we look and it's like, okay, I kind of came close to accomplishing that goal. We revert back to everything that we did before. Right, because that's because that we set that as a goal as opposed to a lifestyle change. And so Uncommon Church, when I talked this morning, when Pastor Brad introduced this as a supernatural lifestyle, as an advancement into who we are, it's not a goal of, hey, we need to get people to go to the mall and pray for somebody to be healed. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about advancing forward in such a way that it impacts us for the rest of our lives. It impacts our kids' lives. It impacts our grandkids' lives. It impacts both in the natural and the supernatural because since we're moving in discipleship as well, that means we have both regular children as well as children that, of just people that we're discipling. And so we want to see that supernatural lifestyle cause a full-fledged advance. And so today, my goal is I want to give you some toys. Again, a goal, not a lifestyle, because I'm only up here this Sunday. Um, I, want to, I want to give you some tools and encouragement that will hopefully help you to move more in this direction, to make it a supernatural lifestyle, uh, make it something of the way that we live. It's just the air that we breathe that we're living in this way. So first question, of course, is what is a supernatural lifestyle? Let me actually start by defining what it is not. And I think there's some misconceptions about what it means to hear from the Holy Spirit, about what supernatural means. And so let's first clarify some items that a supernatural lifestyle is not. First, it is not a sales pitch. A supernatural lifestyle is not a sales pitch. We do not have to go and try to sell God. God has not commissioned us to go sell religion, period, okay? Second thing, it is not the force. <laughs> With all due respect to Star Wars fans, when we say yes to Jesus, we do not receive a lightsaber and some cool spacey clothes, and most of us don't ever wear that, all right? The Holy Spirit is not the force. The Holy Spirit, hear this, cannot be manipulated, all right? God cannot be manipulated. We respond to, to what God is doing supernaturally, not the other way around. The third one is it is not being weird. A supernatural lifestyle is not being weird. 
Now, when I read scripture, when I read the gospels, and I look at what Jesus did, because there was nobody more supernatural than Jesus, right? When I read what Jesus did, I don't see somebody that was weird. I see somebody that had an ability to connect with people that was real, that was authentic, that spoke truth into people's lives in a way that nobody could comprehend and understand. He didn't make it awkward. In fact, I I hate to say this, I know many people who have been emotionally and spiritually scarred, hurt, because somebody felt like they needed to make the supernatural weird. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. Maybe you're visiting like, oh no, oh my gosh, we're gonna deal with a supernatural message. This is gonna be awkward and weird. Look, I'm hoping I'm kind of easing your concerns there because that's not what I think a supernatural lifestyle should look like and that's not the direction that we wanna go. It doesn't need to be weird. All right, so the fourth one, it is not prophesying in Old Testament style. We do not need to speak King James to speak what the Holy Spirit is telling us to say. All right, just... Just an easy one, thus saith the Lord. No, we don't need to do that. We don't need to go there. The next, the fifth one, this is another one that's really important. It is not creating a platform for ourselves. You know, a lot of times, oh, you know, I wanna prophesy so that everybody's looking at me. No, that's not what it means to have a supernatural lifestyle. It's not about putting ourselves in a place where others see us and where we feel important and we feel like, like we matter. No, it's not about us. It's not about us. And the sixth one, a supernatural lifestyle is not getting people to come to church. Just because we can get people to come to church does not mean that we are living a supernatural lifestyle. Now, don't get me wrong. If we are living a supernatural lifestyle, then one of the things that's coming out of that is that we're inviting people to come to church. But that's a result. That's a result. So very simply then, let's ask the question, what is a supernatural lifestyle? Bottom line, it's not about us, it's about him. A supernatural lifestyle is a lifestyle where we put our perspective on God into who he is, onto what he is doing, and it removes the perspectives from ourselves. It says, I wanna look at you, Lord. You know, we are in the middle of what many medical professionals are actually calling a narcissism epidemic in the US. A narcissism epidemic in the US. In fact, the... The, uh, the numbers of people that struggle with narcissism right now are through the roof higher than they have ever been by far in the US. Our perspective, our worldly view in this country is one where when we look in the mirror, the most important person is who we see. It's all about who that person in the mirror is and, and everything revolves around that. It doesn't matter what your race is, it doesn't matter what your age is, it doesn't matter what your ethnicity or background is. Those are the numbers. That's the culture we live in, that's the world around us. All right, so we ask the question, hey, if we're we're not supposed to be of the world, but we're supposed to instead follow Jesus, let's look at what Jesus' response to this is. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples, he says this, if any of you wants to be my follower, so if we wanna follow Jesus, what does he say? you must give up your own way. 
If we want to follow Jesus, we have to make a choice not to be, not to be in narcissism. We have to, to, to follow Jesus in a way where we take up our cross, where we follow him instead, where it's more about Jesus instead of us. We have to choose not to live in that place of narcissism. We have to choose not to live where it's about us, where we're pushing our own agendas, where we're instead saying, Jesus, I laid down my life for what you're doing, for who you are. It's not about me. It's about Jesus having a full access to our heart. So what does this all mean? I said we're talking about a supernatural lifestyle. What does this mean? It means that a supernatural lifestyle is an inside job. A supernatural lifestyle is an inside job. I love what you just shared. That's exactly what it is. A supernatural lifestyle, having our focus on Jesus, responding to who he is. It's about allowing it to penetrate our hearts. What happens when we do this? What happens when we say, you know what, God, I I want it to be about you. I want it to be about you. I'm tired of it being all about me and I want to respond instead to who you're calling me to be. What happens when we do that? That's when we make ourselves available. That's when we're able to join with what God is doing. We say, yes, Lord, I want to see, I want to participate, I want to do what you're doing around me and we get to see some really cool things happen. All right, so what is that? Let's dig into more of what that looks like, all right? So what does that actually look like? We see in John chapter five, and, and this is Jesus providing a defense to some of the Pharisees who were questioning what he was doing. And this is what Jesus tells about God the Father. He says, my father is always at his work. He's always at his work. And I too am working. I love that we did that song Waymaker this morning. That's kind of what that's singing, right? God, you are always working. God, you are always at work. God has always do something. You are not here by accident because God is always at work. There is always something he's doing. We can take it a little bit further, right? Because he does the work. But then we see in, in John chapter 14, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. In John chapter 14, he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Right? So God is always at work, and then Jesus tells us, hey, we get to do the work of the Father. We get to participate in what God is doing. And in fact, the work that you're going to do is even better than what I can do because I'm going back. And so God does the work, but he invites us to participate with him in it. Look, God, God wants us to do what he's doing with him. He wants us to join with him in doing the work of the miracles and doing all the different things that God does around us. You know, I thought about, as I was preparing for this, I thought about like putting a slide up that showed like all of the miracles that Jesus performed so that you could just kind of look at them or, or all the times that we see Jesus say something to somebody that's just like, it penetrated the heart or was something, there was no way he could have known but for who God is and God speaking through him. And I thought about putting something like that up there, but then I decided, you know what, you guys all have Bibles. Go look at your gospels. Go to the gospel of Mark. Take out a highlighter. Highlight every miracle that you see Jesus do. If you're using a paper Bible, right? Don't do that if you're using an iPad. Um, But look at all the miracles that he did. Look at all the times that he did. And you can kind of lay that all out. And then you can say, Jesus, you said that I would do the works that you did and even greater works. That's who he's calling us to do. We're called to partner with God in doing what he does. 
And so when we talk about the work of God, and we talk about God's work and, and how he works, I always find that when I wanna look into something, when I wanna find something out more about, about who God is or what he says in his word, I like to go back to the first time that we see that mentioned, that we see that talked about in scripture. And so what's the first time that God works? We can go all the way back to the beginning, right? Go back to Genesis 1. Let's look at Genesis 1-2. This is the first time that we see God work. What happens? God said, let there be light. What happened? God spoke. What happened? What was the result of God speaking? What he spoke occurred. What was God's work? God spoke. Let there be light. All right, what about the first time that Jesus did a miracle? What about the first time that we, that we see Jesus do something? What was Jesus' first miracle? It was turning the water into wine. And we see that in John chapter two. Jesus told the servants, what did Jesus do? He said, fill the jars with water. What did Jesus tell the servants? He told them to fill the jars. So what was Jesus' action? What was his work? He spoke, right? When the jars had been filled, so the servants responded to what Jesus said. And then Jesus said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. What did Jesus do? Jesus spoke. What did the followers do? What did the servants do? They were obedient. They followed. They responded to what he said to do. His voice, his spoken word created the miracle. His word was enough. His voice is all that was needed. The people just had to be obedient and do what his voice said. So what does a supernatural lifestyle look like? Simply hearing God speak and being obedient to it. Simply hearing God speak. So being able to hear God speak is at the core of a supernatural lifestyle. And this is why a supernatural lifestyle is an inside job. You know, maybe you've been wanting to see miracles. Maybe you've been, maybe you're sitting there this morning, you're like, you know, I've really been wanting to see God do some more miracles in my life. Work on hearing, work on listening to God speak. Maybe you're at a spot this morning where, where you, um, you want to be able to prophesy. You want to be able to, to speak the future of what God is doing in somebody's life over them. Work on hearing God's voice. Maybe you're just sitting there and you're like, you know, I just want to know what God's plan is for my life. I just want to know like what I'm supposed to do next. Work on hearing God's voice. Look, I've got a full-time job. I've got six kids. I've got family stuff going all over the place. I coach a volleyball team, all that kind of stuff. I'm just a normal guy. I'm not like paid to pastor or anything like that, right? This is every, this is what all of us get to do. This is normal day-to-day -day lifestyle of following Jesus because a supernatural lifestyle, look, it's not a magic trick. There's not some super secret formula that we've got to know to be able to hear the Holy Spirit speak and see him move. Why? Because I've heard it said a supernatural lifestyle is an inside job. You know, one of the reasons I love Freedom Track is that's what Freedom Track is about. We, we get to, in Freedom Track, we get to watch people walk through that. You know, I love it. At the end of every semester, we get together with the coaches and just... We just share the stories of seeing people go from a spot where they didn't hear God to where they're walking in a place where they hear God's voice. And so for this morning, I want to get a little practical because this is an inside job. And, and I want to encourage you and help you to advance in that supernatural lifestyle by pursuing God personally. And so let me just ask you a quick question. 
How often when you pray do you stop and actually listen to God? You listen for God to speak as well. Well, let me ask it a different way. Do any of you have any friends, and this is rhetorical, so don't raise your hand, especially if it's like the person next to you that you're thinking about. Do any of you have any friends that they'll like call you up or something and they'll talk with you and, and, and they'll talk with you for a while and then they'll talk with you some more and it's just kind of like they, they just kind of threw up all out of their mouth all over you, right? And then when they're done, it's like, okay, thanks for talking, see you later. And you like never got a word in edgewise, right? Sometimes I wonder if that's kind of like how we pray, right? Do we stop and listen to God? Look at John chapter 10. This is Jesus speaking again. He says, my sheep hear my voice. What's that word? Hear my voice. You know, I have, I have a dog. Our dog's name uh, is Tornado. And it's a very appropriate name because when we first got him, he was a little puppy. He would kind of chase his tail and he'd make like really big circles. So he looked like a tornado. There's many other reasons why we call him Tornado as well. But I can be anywhere in the house and I can call his name. I can say Tornado and he just comes running and he's right there. Okay, he comes running, he's right there. Well, I could be talking to my wife and I can just say the word, walk. Next thing you know, there he is, looking up at me, wagging his tail. Am I getting to go on a walk? Am I getting to go on a walk? You see, because my dog hears my voice, he responds, he knows my voice. And when he knows my voice, he hears it and he comes running. I don't have any sheep, but I do have a dog and I know what that sounds like. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear hear my voice. Take time to listen to his voice. Give him a place to speak. Seriously. This is life-changing. I mean, this is, real, this, is a, this is a big aspect. This is a big part of learning to know Jesus. You know, for me, a little story about me, um, for many, many years, I've been kind of going through the motions. It was like, all right, I want to be a good follower of Jesus. And so I, I would make sure I got my Bible time in every day, right? I'd, I'd get my chapter that I would read in every day. I'd get up in the morning and, and I would go through, all right, here's where I'm at today. And I'd read my chapter and, and then I'd pray a little bit and, and okay, now I can move on to the next thing, right? I did that for a long time. And then finally one day I'm doing this, kind of going through my normal same routine. And I don't know why, but for some reason, I decided to slow down this day. And on this particular day, I'm in Ezekiel 36. And Ezekiel 36 is an interesting chapter because it's a restoration chapter. And so I'm reading Ezekiel 36 and I keep going and I get all the way down. I get all the way down to verse 26. And I'm reading verse 26 and my eyes are just glued on this verse. I'm, I'm stuck on this verse. And here's what this verse says. It says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of flesh, or heart of stone rather, and give you a heart of flesh. Leave that up there for a second. Leave it up there for a second. As I'm looking at this verse, I realize, God, that's, that's my prayer. That's what, you're, that's what you're calling me to do. And so I responded, I said, all right, God, I want to listen to you. I want to hear you. I want to respond to who you're calling me to be. God, give me that new heart. Put that new spirit in me. God, take my heart of stone because I have a heart of stone. I know I do. And God, I need your heart of flesh. I need you to remove that heart of stone. So I prayed that that morning. I stopped and I waited and I listened for God. And then I got up the next day and I was like, you know, I need to pray that prayer again. So I did that again. God, Put a new spirit in me. Remove my heart of stone. I need your heart of flesh. 
And I did that the following day, and I did that the following day, and I did that for three years every single day. Three years every single day. In all honesty, the only reason that I stopped praying that prayer is because I felt like God gave me a new one. He said, here's the next one I want you to pray. I said, okay, let's go on to the next one. You see, when I pursued God this way, when I said, Lord, I, I, I want the heart that you're gonna put in me. I wanna understand who you are. I wanna understand what it means to live from a place where you are deep inside of here. And when I allowed him to speak to my heart, the, the overflow just starts to happen. Hearing his voice, recognizing his voice, what he's saying, who he's calling us to be, that just starts to happen. It becomes second nature because we're living in a place of regularly listening to him, of regularly hearing his voice. It's just part of who we are. As I said, if you haven't gone through Freedom Track, if this Ezekiel 36 thing that I'm sharing with you is kind of resonating with you, I'd encourage you, take your phones out now and just sign up. Because that's what it's about. It's about getting to a place where we say, God, I don't want it to be about me. I need it to be about you. I need to lay down who I was. I need to allow all the stuff that has impacted and influenced my perspective of me and who you are in my life so that I know truly who you are and I can hear who you are and I can hear you speak and I can respond to what you're doing in my life. You see, the pastors here, man, they love you a ton. And that's why we do Freedom Track because, because they love you, they wanna give you that kind of a tool. This is an amazing opportunity, amazing process, because what happens is when we do that, right, because a lot of times we look at it it's like, man, I don't want to do that. I, I love what you shared earlier again about how, you know, I knew that if I went after God that he was going to have compassion on me. And so I wanted to get away from that, right? But see, what happens is when we respond, when we say, yes, God, I want you to shape my heart, then what happens is God shows up and we start to walk in our destiny, we start to walk in who we're called to be. We start to walk in a way where we're free from what was in the past and we're able to step more fully into who we're called to be individually. And that is such an amazing place to be. We start to really understand verses like what we see in Matthew 9 when it's talking about Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, maybe that's what God's telling you this morning. Maybe you're sitting there and you're listening to, to kind of me tell these stories and you're like, I, I wanna get that new heart. I want that new heart today. And he wants you to take that first step into living a supernatural lifestyle by allowing that heart transformation to occur. Maybe you've never even accepted him. Maybe that's where you are this morning. It's like, man, I just wanted to come visit a church and just see what was it about, you know? And, and maybe that's where you're at this morning. We're gonna talk more about that in a bit. But God's inviting you to see him do some pretty amazing things, some pretty amazing miracles, some pretty amazing words through your life. But we have to be willing to take that first step. You know, here's the, here's the really cool thing. The heart that we get when we do that is super powered. It's not, like, it's not like the open heart surgery that we have here, right? It's not like what doctors do if we were to get an open heart surgery. The heart that God gives us, I'm telling you, it is super powered. It is one that is on fire for God, but it is full of who you're called to be. You know, men, that means you don't give up your manhood by getting the heart that God wants you to have. You don't. And so like I said, I wanna give a little help today. And, uh, and I wanna talk through what are some of the ways that we hear God speak? Because maybe you're sitting there this morning, it's like, you know what, I've done that. I've been praying that prayer for a long time. I, I know that, 
I've received that new heart, but I'm still having trouble hearing God speak. So I'm gonna give you, when we look through scripture, there's about seven different ways that we hear God speak. And so I'm gonna give you these, these different ways that he speaks, but as I do, as I list them out, I want you to think about what I'm saying. And I want you to reflect on, have I heard God speak to me that way before? Or is it possible that God has spoken to me that way and I just didn't realize it? All right, so the first way, first way that God will speak to us is through our mind. He'll give us a revelation, he'll give us knowledge, something very specific that comes through thoughts and words. We'll know something that we would not have known had God not shared that with us, okay? Second way, that's actually one that I have often. I'll have a revelation or there'll be a word or some kind of knowledge that comes to mind. Oftentimes it's kind of referred to as a word of knowledge, but that's not exclusively within this. Uh, the next one is our imagination. Remember Pastor Brad talked about personality last week? Well, I guess because of my personality, this is not one that I have happen very often. Um, our, our imagination will spontaneously see ideas, we'll see words, we'll see a, a sentence, pictures, visions, dreams, sometimes even a video will we'll play in our mind. And that will be God putting a picture or something specifically into our mind. The third way is our memory. This is one that my wife has happen often. She'll, she'll remember something. She'll remember a scripture. She'll remember a past experience, a, a word, even a, a dream that she might have had. And, and that'll just pop into her mind as she's either talking with somebody or, or where God's wanting to do something. The fifth way is our spirit. We'll have an intuition, a hunch, uh, a gut feeling. You know, honestly, this is one that I get a lot. Um, I'll, have, I'll just have an intuition. Hey, I think this is where we're supposed to go. Or I think this is what's going on. Or, or hey, do you mind if I just pray for this? Um, I actually tell a really cool story of when that happened with me in a restaurant. I tell a really cool story in Freedom Track of, of a time that, that happened um, in a restaurant when Alice and I were out on a date. But again, this is, that one's kind of very normal for me. That's a regular occurrence for when I hear from God. Uh, the sixth way is our emotions. God will instill an emotion in us. It's not our own emotion. It's an emotion that he's allowing us to feel to help us understand what he's doing and how he's working uh, in the world around us. We've got a, a Freedom Track coach during our last encounter that had this happen. It was really kind of cool because she would, she would pray for one person. And as she's praying for that person, she would feel, God would allow her to feel the actual emotion that this person was going through. And that helped her to be able to pray for the person that she was uh, ministering to her, uh, praying for in, in the encounter weekend. But then she'd go and she'd pray for somebody else and an entirely different emotion would, would be going on. So she would feel that. And so it helped her really to understand where God was at work. And then the seventh way is our body. We'll experience a bodily sensation. And I'll talk, this, I'll talk a little bit more about this in a second, but you know, we'll have a tingling in our elbow or we'll feel like a warmth or just some part of our body will just come to mind. And oftentimes this is indicative of where God wants to physically heal somebody. And so I hope you realize that from that, hey, maybe God is talking to me. Maybe there are ways that I hear from God and I just hadn't recognized that. Look, I told you earlier that the transformation is critical. We have, to, we have to come from a place where we're willing to have that inside job done. Because what happens is when we have that inside job done and we allow that transformation to occur, then, then we, we get to be used in some supernatural ways and we start to open up our, our destiny, our, our path and direction and where God has taken us into who he is calling us to be. And then what happens is the next step is, is we allow that to occur in our own bodies, in our own minds, in our own hearts, and then it starts to bleed into our, super, our, our family life. It starts to bleed into our kids' life. We start to realize, hey, honey, you're going through that. Can I, why don't we just pray for that and see what happens? Or we're at work and we start to just recognize different things happen. 
You know, so, so my youngest son, one more story. My youngest son, actually, I've got a few more stories, um, but the next one. <laughs> um, my youngest son, his name is Isaac. Why is my youngest son's name Isaac? Because when we were uh, waiting for him to be born, we felt like God said, Isaac will bring much laughter. And that's what the name Isaac means. Isaac means laughter. And so for those of you that know my youngest son, you probably don't need me to tell you this story. So my wife takes him to the dentist a couple weeks ago. The dentist comes out and goes to start talking to Isaac. And she's talking to Isaac for a couple of minutes. And after a couple of minutes, she looks up at my wife and she goes, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but this is just the, the cutest, happiest boy. And I'm like, yes, say that out loud. That is what we've been prophesying over him for six plus years at this point. That is who he is called to be. Absolutely say that out loud. I'd love to see somebody outside of my family recognize this is who he is. This is what God spoke over his life. That's what it means to prophesy over our kids. And as, as parents, we get to do that. We get to speak that truth. We get to speak that life. We get to say, God, where are you moving in my child's life? And that blesses them. But oh my gosh, this is a proud papa, right? I'm the dad that gets to see God moving in my boy where it's his joy, his laughter, his compassion that comes out and people outside of our family see it. It's like, absolutely. That's what we get to do. That's what it means when we get to prophesy over our family. That's speaking the truth of who God calls them to be. So as I mentioned, we start with give me a new heart. And I wanna give you one more thing and I wanna tell you a couple stories to wrap up. We say, God, I, I need a new heart. Put your new spirit in me. That is Ezekiel 36, 26. But then we add on to that prayer. And I wanna encourage you with this one. Maybe tomorrow when you get up and you do your quiet time and you start to recognize, hey, I, I want that heart, God. I want that heart that sees that compassion. But then follow it up with this. Where are you going today? How can I join? And wait. God, where are you going today? How can I join? Remember one day I prayed that prayer. And uh, remember I told you earlier, I don't usually get pictures. I'm not, I'm not an imagination guy, so I don't usually get pictures in my mind. Well, this morning I did. I got a very, very, very clear picture of a pair of lime green shoes with those three stripes on the side. I think those are Adidas. I, I don't know if anybody knows shoes better than I do, which is probably like all of you, but I think they're the Adidas ones, right? Does anybody? Maybe not. Yeah, I see somebody shaking that. Okay, good. Um, so the, the lime green shoes, and I've got this picture. And in fact, this picture is so clear in my vision, in my, in my mind, I actually tell a friend about it before, before I leave that day. I was like, I had a picture of a pair of lime green shoes. You know, I actually told a friend about it. So I'm out, you know, kind of doing what I do, and I end up talking with a young couple. And I'm talking with this couple for a little while and, and realize that, uh, you know, after about, you know, five minutes, and they're going through some stuff. And after about, you know, five minutes or so, of just kind of talking to them and hear their story, I just kind of look at them and say, hey, do you, you guys mind if I just pray for you real quick? And, and so I put my, I put my hand on, on the young man's shoulders. And as I do, I just kind of happen to look down. And yes, he was wearing the exact pair of shoes that I had seen that morning the exact pair of shoes. And I realized that, that as I'm going to pray for this individual, I realized that God is saying, I see this couple. I see them, I know them. I want you to see them like I do. I know what they're going through. And I want them to know me. 
that's where we get to partner with him. That's not a big story, but that's an impactful story. Because what happens is, as we start to allow that spiritual formation to occur, we allow that transformation in our hearts to occur, that inside job to occur, we start to see people the way that God saw them. But we also start to see ourselves the way that God sees us. Two weeks ago, Pastor Brad talked about walking authority, right? It's good to know authority here, but we also need to know it here. Another time I'm praying for a young lady, She's got a really bad back, way too young to have a really bad back, okay? And, uh, and so I'm praying, praying for her and kind of like, all right, you know, just pray that this back would be healed. And so finally, after a little while, I, I told you earlier, I get those gut feels. I was like, I had a gut feel that something, that I was supposed to be praying for something else. And so I, I kind of look at her and I say, is one of your legs longer than the other one? And she goes, yeah, I've got lift in my shoes. I've got lift in my shoes. One of my, one of my legs is about a quarter inch or so lo uh, longer than the other one. All right, well, let's pray in the authority that we have as a result of being a follower of Jesus. So I, I have her sit down, and she puts her, her feet up on my hands. Um, and again, this is my story. I'm watching this with my own eyes, okay? She puts her feet up on my, on my, um, on my hands, and she's not sitting funny or, you know, kind of weird or anything like that. And I look at her and I say, hey, I'm just gonna pray that one leg, that this leg would grow out and that it would be the same length as the other leg so that your back would stop hurting. So I say, Jesus, thank you for this young lady. Thank you that you love her. Thank you that you died on the cross that she might have life. God, and we know that you wanna heal. So we say, Jesus, thank you that when you died on the cross and when you rose from the grave, you took all authority. You have all authority on heaven and earth. And because I follow you, so do I. And so in the name of Jesus, I tell this leg to grow out. In the name of Jesus, I tell this leg to grow out. And as I'm sitting there, I see the leg just go zoop, just like that. that that's, look, that is what we're called to do. That is who we're called to be. You know, walking in that authority, we don't have to soften it. We have it. Sometimes it's hard to recognize because we haven't allowed the heart to be there. So to walk in that authority, to walk with that compassion requires us to first step into that supernatural lifestyle. And then I'll ask you the question, what if you take that authority? What if you walk in who you're called to be? What if you say, yes, God, I wanna step into my destiny of who I am as a child of God? What if you get to see that? What if you get to see that home run? Let's go ahead and stand. You know, look, these, I've shared a number of stories with you. I've, I've got... Honestly, I've got so many more. These are, I mean, these are real stories. I'm not telling you stories from somebody else. I'm telling you my stories, okay? These are my stories. I've got one where I, I, I saw one time, I witnessed this personally. I went and I prayed for a man who was dying from level, liver, level four liver failure. That's hard to say. Le stage four liver failure. He was in the ICU. He was, I kid you not, minutes away from being placed in the hospice. I went and I prayed for him. I asked him if he was a follower of Jesus. He said, no, you know, I kind of did the normal salvation prayer because I figured he's dying. That's what I got to do, kind of give him those last rites things. 
But as I do that, I realize, no, I'm supposed to pray for more. He walked out of the ICU room to the amazement of the doctors the following day, completely healed. Completely healed. Look, God is real. These are real stories. He is real, and he wants us to be part of it. He wants you to be part of it. Let's go ahead and close our eyes, and let's just pray, kind of see where we're supposed to go next. Lord, we just say, come. Holy Spirit, we want, your, we want you in this presence. We want you in this room, Lord. Reveal to us more of your presence. God, we know, we know that you are here. God, we know that you love us. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see what you're doing this morning. Let your presence fall. Come, Holy Spirit. You know, because the first step to living a supernatural lifestyle, to, to seeing God do this stuff, that first step is you have to want him to be in your life. You have to want him to be in your life. You have to be willing to say, Jesus, I'm not enough. And maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you're just at a place this morning where, where you know you've been running. Kind of like the testimony that we heard this morning. Maybe you know that you've been running from God. And you're finally realizing you've got to stop running. Maybe you've heard some of these stories and you're thinking to yourself, man, if, if this dude's stories are real, I've got to rethink this God thing. Man, l- listen to me. Those stories are real. Those stories are true. God is real and he loves you so much and he wants you to be part of what he is doing of his work. So if this is you, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond this morning. Maybe this is the first time you've ever told God you want him in your life. Maybe this is just the first time in a long time. Maybe you grew up in church and you received him but you kinda ran away. Look, I know your heart is probably beating out of your chest right now. That's God sitting there knocking on your chest. He's saying, hey, I'm here. I'm here. Let me in. I want to be part of your life. God's sitting there saying, let me show you what living can really look like. So whether this is the first time or the first time in a long time, I want to lead you in a prayer. It has to be your prayer, but I can lead you in that prayer put God at the center of your life. But before we do, I want to know who I'm praying for. So whether this is your first time or the first time in a long time, with everybody's eyes closed, if you want to say yes to God this morning, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand and say, yeah, preacher, I want to receive Jesus this morning. Just raise your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. What about you online? What about you online? Wherever you're at, if that's you, even if it's months from now, just wherever you're at online, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Say, yeah, I want to receive Jesus. For the sake of the one that I saw in this room and for those that are online, let's just all pray this prayer together. Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died on the cross that I might know you. Thank you that you are always at work. And I invite you to do your work in my life. 
Jesus be the Lord of my life. I pray that you would do a new work in me. I lay down my life to receive the open heart surgery you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.